Well, God is good this morning. You believe that? Let me hear you say amen. Amen? Blessed testimonies, and I've been so blessed so far. How about you? Amen? I invite you to turn to me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, verse 31. In your Bibles, Acts chapter 16, verse 31, as we go through God's Word this morning. And we'll continue on our series of the ultimate love story. And the sermon title this morning is Believe. Believe. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. We will never truly love until we first believe. For we truly believe whom God says he is, which is love, then we will get to know him, which is love. And when we know him who is love, we will then obey him because we love him and we want to. Amen? Amen. So this morning, may we truly believe that God's character, his thoughts and feelings, is, has character or thoughts and feelings of love this morning. Let us pray. Our Father, as your word is open, we ask for your presence of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost upon our hearts that we may see who you really are, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts 16, 31. What must we do in order to be saved according to the Bible? Notice the Bible says here in verse 31. The Bible says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you shall be what? Saved and your house. So what is it that we need to have in order to be saved according to the Bible? We must what? We must believe. So we must believe. And if we believe, then we will be what? Saved. So we must believe, right? I want to believe. How about you? Amen? No, but the question is, believe in what? Lord Jesus Christ. So what about the Lord Jesus Christ? Turn to James chapter 2, verse 19. Let's see. Let's look at another a little story, a statement here about believing in the Bible and the devils. James chapter 2. In your Bible, is verse 19. Notice what the Bible says here. Right after Hebrews in your Bible, in the New Testament, verse 19. The Bible says here about the devils, and it says, uh, Even though the devils believe, what else do they do? Notice the Bible says, Thou believest that there is one God. You do well. The devils also what? Believe and tremble. Now, wait a minute here. The devils also what? Believe. believe. Now my question, do, are the devils saved? They're not saved. Lucifer is not. Satan is not going to be saved, right? But the Bible says here, what we need to do in order to, to be saved is we must believe. But then the Bible says here that even Satan himself and all of the devils, they themselves believe. So what's the difference between the beliefs? It's found in this text. The Bible says here, notice what it says here, what else besides believing do the devils have, according to this Bible text? The Bible says here, the devils also believe and what? Tremble. What's another word for, why are they trembling? Because they're what? Afraid. Or they have what? Fear. That's key. Now turn to me. In other words, the devils have fear in their lives, right? Turn with me to 1 John 4, verse 18. Let's look at the difference between believing now. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. We know we need to believe. I want to be saved this morning. How about you? Amen? 
I want to know what it is that was saved me according to the Bible. So the, the Bible says we believe, but believe on the Lord Jesus, but then even the devils believe in God, the Bible says, right? But they're not saved. So what's the difference between the different beliefs? Because I want to know this morning, beloved. So the Bible says here, what is the only environment where fear cannot exist? Notice the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible says here, there is no fear in what? Yeah. See, the opposite of love is what? Fear, light, and darkness. When you have the light of love, there can be no darkness of what? Fear. The Bible says no fear in love, but perfect love casts it out what? Fear. Because fear has torment. He that feared is not made perfect in what? So, Love cast out what? Fear. So now you see this. The devils believe, but what do they have? They have what? So if they have fear in their life, that means that they do not have what? They do not have love. Do you see that? The devils do not have love. Satan does not have love in his heart. He has only selfishness and fear, and anger, and hate, and destruction. And the reason why the devils and Satan do not have the love of God because they do not believe or see the truth that 1 John 4 verse 8 is true, that God is love this morning. Amen? They do not see, they do not want to believe it. Their selfish heart points to a God that's selfish, and they believe that. And therefore, beholding a God that is angry at them, and mean and cruel, they become changed into the very image. And they become afraid of this God, and angry, and, and, and they take it out upon humanity. Therefore, the reason why the devils are not saved, even though they believe in God, is because they do not have love this morning, beloved. My question to you and I this morning is this. Do you have the love of God in your heart? Do you want that love of God in your heart? Do you want to experience that love? Do you not only love that, our God with the love he loves us, but with that love, do we truly love others as God has loved us, is my question to us this morning. Now let's go and look at Satan. Turn me to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15. Before Satan sinned, actually before he was Satan in Lucifer in heaven, what did he do in heaven? Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15 in your Bibles. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15 in your Bibles. Notice what the Bible says. Talking about Lucifer. Now, before Satan was, he was Lucifer. Before he sinned. And notice what the Bible says here about Lucifer. The Bible says here that thou was perfect in your ways, from the day that you were created till iniquity or sin was found in you. So Lucifer, before he sinned, he was what? Perfect, beautiful in heaven, till sin came into his life. And then in verse 16 it says here, By the multitude of your merchandise you have filled the midst of you with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy you, O covering what? Cherub. Now, in the sanctuary in heaven, 
there was the, the throne of God, and over the throne, if you look at the Hebrew sanctuary, there were what? Hovering over the two, over the throne of God, there were two what? Two covering of cherubs, right? And Lucifer was one of the covering cherubs, the first covering cherub, according to the word of God, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now, Lucifer saw God every moment of the day, and he was the closest to God of any created being. So there you have the throne of God, and Lucifer was right in the face of God. In other words, he saw God face to face. Now, being that the Bible says that God is what? Love. Lucifer, now God is love. He's seen God. In other words, he saw love face to face, closer than any other created being. Can you imagine that? In other words, he was in the presence of love. He was surrounded by love. He saw the divine, he saw divinity, he saw God's character, his thoughts and feelings of love. He experienced love 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's what Lucifer saw every day. But even though Lucifer saw this love and he was closest to love, Lucifer still sinned. Now turn me to Solomon chapter 8, verse, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says here that Lucifer was in the stones of fire. Now what does fire represent in the Bible? Let's look to Solomon, Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6 and 7 in your Bibles. Let's see what the Bible says. Song of Solomon, verses 8, right after Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastics, Song of Solomon, verse 8, 6 and 7. Know what the Bible says about what does fire represent? The Bible says here, in verse 6, it says, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as what? Death. So it's talking about love. Jealousy is cruel as a grave. The coals thereof of love are coals of what? Fire, which hath the most vehement flame. So love is represented as fire here. And then it goes on to say in verse 7 about love. It says, love, many waters cannot quench what? Love. Why? Because love is represented as a fire. That water can't even douse or, or put out fire, cannot quench fire. Neither can the floods drown it. If a man should give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be condemned. So Lucifer was among the stones of fire. In other words, he was among the vessels of love. He was surrounded by love. And when he, he was surrounded by God who is love, in his he saw love face to face. He was cl most closest being in, a, in the presence of God face to face. He, was, he saw what love was. He experienced love like any other being. He was next in Christ, in authority among all the universe, with all the created beings of all the unfallen planets. He experienced love like anyone else. He was in the hottest part of love in heaven. Yet, he still sinned. Now, what do angels desire to look into? First Peter, turn to First Peter chapter one, verse eleven and twelve in your Bibles. First Peter, chapter one, verse eleven and twelve. Read right out the Hebrews in your Bibles. First Peter and in James. First Peter chapter one, verse eleven and twelve. What do angels desire to look into? Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, 
searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ was within them did signify, when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow. So remember those two things, the suffering of Christ and the glory of Christ. Then it says in verse 12, Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but also unto us, unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which, in other words, the, the gospel which things the angels desire to what? Look into. In other words, the angels desire to look into the gospel. Now, gospel means good news. And we just found it earlier that it was a suffering. They desired to look into the sufferings of Christ in the previous text. And the glory of God's glory is his what? What did we learn God's glory was? His character. And God's character is his what? Goodness. And what else? Thoughts and feelings of love. In other words, the angels desire to look into the good news, the gospel, the sufferings of Christ, the glory of Christ, the character of Christ, the thoughts and feelings of love of Christ. They desire to look into that. In other words, they, they love to study love this morning. Amen? And if angels desire to study love, should not we also study God or study love this morning also, beloved? Amen? Why did he do that? Because I want you to notice why the angels study love. is because it was only after sin came into existence that the angels were then able to see a different picture of God's thoughts and feelings of love that they'd never seen before. But not only did the good angels desire to look into love, into God, and the plan of salvation that's revealed there in the cross, but it says angels, even the evil angels, they see and they look into what happened on the cross of Calvary. And they're perplexed. I want you to look at this quotation in your handout. There's a handout in your bulletin. And I want you to look at this, the second one it says here. Now follow along with me. The difference between the good angels and the evil angels is that the evil angels cannot understand such love. Look what it says here. It's a beautiful quotation I thought I'd share with you. It says, at the birth of Jesus, Satan knew that one, who's that one? Jesus had come, one had come with a divine commission to dispute his dominion. He, Satan, trembled at the angel's message attesting the authority of the newborn king. That's Jesus. Satan well knew the position that Christ held in heaven as the beloved of the Father. Listen to this that the Son of God should come to this earth as a man filled him, Satan, with amazement and apprehension. Filled him with what? Amazement. He could not fathom the mystery of this great sacrifice. What sacrifice? The, the cross of Calvary, right? He was filled with amazement and astonishment that divinity would die for rebellious people that divinity created. He could not understand that love. It says here, his selfish soul could not understand what? Such love for the deceived race. As he looked into the gospel, as he looked into the glory, the character, the thoughts and feelings of love of God, as Lucifer looked into, as Satan looked into 
the things of God, and he looked into the cross of Calvary, and he looked into the love of God, he could not fathom, he could not understand, he was filled with amazement, he could not see how a God could die for people who would not love him back. He was filled with amazement. His selfishness could not comprehend such love. Cannot we, as a people, do we have a hard time, too, not understanding such love? How could someone who was in the very presence of love, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, who had once been the nearest to the Creator and God himself, had come to a point in the future where he realized that he did not really understand love? That's where he was. And if one being who once stood in the very presence of love could not understand love, could it be possible, beloved, that maybe you and I this morning don't have a clear picture of what really love is, really looks like? Could that be possible? God's love is beautiful, beloved. Amen? The truth lies in the fact that such love is so deep that it only fills those who are good with awe and love and those who are evil with amazement and hate. But God wants us to see this love this morning. I want to see his love. How about you, beloved? Amen? Amen. Turn to John chapter 12, verse 24. What must happen first before a grain of wheat can bear fruit? John chapter 12, verse 24. Let's see what the Bible says here this morning. John chapter 12, verse 24. What must happen before a grain of wheat or a seed can bear fruit? The Bible says here, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat falls into the ground and what? Die, it abides alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much what? Fruit. Okay, you know that before you can plant the seed, what must you do first? Put in the sun to what? Dry it up to kill it. It must die first, right? You put in the sun, you dry. Then you plant the seed, right? And what happens when you plant the seed? Then what? It bears fruit. It's a benefit. It's a blessing, Right? So according to the Bible, in order for a seed to bear much fruit, it must first die. In other words, out of death and darkness of a seed dying comes the great blessings of bearing fruit. Right, amen? And that's the principle here in this world. Out of the death and darkness comes the greatest blessings. Isn't that true? Amen? Out of times that come on evil and suffering comes the times which turn out to be the greatest blessing. There's a saying that says, the blood of martyrs is what? The sea. In other words, when many Christians in the past, when there was persecution, and Christians were persecuted, and they were killed, and whenever they killed one Christian, what would happen? Many more would come to the banner of Jesus Christ. When they see the one person give up their life and love God so much that they're willing to give up their life, that they would die the seed died. There would be many more that would pop up. Out of one person that dies, there would be five or 20 more that would come to Jesus Christ. And the more they killed, the more of a blessing in it, it multiplied, the more fruit of Christians there was. And the same principle is true in the Bible. When the seed dies, and it looks like it's, it's, going, it's going to be a bad situation, and you're going through suffering, and you're going through hard times, don't forget that when you're going to the darkness of death, that in the future, that's going to be the greatest and the most blessed time of fruit in the future, beloved. Amen? 
whatever struggle you may be going through, whatever hardship and pain and suffering you're experiencing, when you're going through that, know this, that in the future you're just about on a breakthrough of the greatest blessing that God has for you in life, beloved. Amen? Do not give up hope, beloved. God has a future for every one of you this morning. Amen? Who has the greatest character? Who is the strongest person? Is it a person who lives a life of ease and luxury? Or is it the person that actually went through hardship and struggle and conquered them all? Which has a better, stronger character? Is it not the person that went through the hardships and struggles? In the same way, who is will make the best teachers in the future world? Will it not be the 144,000 who goes through the time of trouble such as never was before? And they will be able to go to all the inhabitants of other worlds untouched by sin and explain the deeper mysteries of love because of what they've been through on this world. And that's what God has this world, and he has us here. Though we're going through the darkness of sin and death, God's going to use our experiences to share our testimonies of what God has done in your life and my life. What a God we serve, beloved. Amen? Now, turn me to Romans chapter 8, verse 28 in your Bibles. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 in your Bibles. What things work together for good to those who love God? Notice the Bible says here, Romans 8, 28. The Bible says, and we know that how many things? Most things? All things work together for bad. Is that what it says? For what? For good. To them that what? Love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. All things work together to those who love God. Now, when the Bible says all things, is that referring only to all good things? Is that what referring to? All good things? Is that what it's saying? No. All things. So, all good things that happen in this world is meant for the good of those who love God. And I love God. How about you this morning? Amen? It works out for your good this morning, my good, if we love God. But not only that, it is also referring to all evil this morning. Amen? All suffering, all pain, all hardships, all the evil that ever happens to God's people, whatever it is and whenever it happens, it doesn't matter, that God's going to work out that evil, that sin that happened in your life and that hurt you and hurt me for our good someday, somewhere in the future, beloved. And that is the hope of a Christian, beloved. Amen? In other words, all suffering including the entrance of sin and the final results of sin will in the end work out for good to them that love God. Therefore, God is going to take the very existence of sin and make it minister to the higher good for all those who love him. You see, God's plan is so broad that even Satan, with his rebellious schemes that he has in his mind, his rebellious schemes will end up lifting up God's love in this world. For as you've seen in the Bible over and over again, Satan has been outwitted and outgeneraled by God at every single point. And all of Satan's planning and all of Satan's scheming that he does to defeat God's purpose of love has only been a part of God's larger plan for love's higher ideal. What a God we serve, amen? Now what did the 24 elders do? Turn to Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Revelation chapter 5 in your Bibles, verse 8. 
what the 24 elders do? Notice the Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says, these are beings in heaven. It says, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the what? Lamb. Having every one of the harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy, take the book to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Here we have a scene up in heaven that the 24 elders fall down and they worship the Lamb. Who's the Lamb, the Bible says? Jesus. They worship Jesus. But this time as they fall down, they, they've always fell down in, before the, Jesus. They've always worshipped Jesus. But this time, this time they worship Jesus. They worship Jesus in a new way. For this time they were worshiping him as the lamb. And the reason why they worship him is because they appreciate and love the lamb like they never appreciated and loved the lamb before. You see, before this time, they had never worshipped Jesus as the lamb. Yes, they had worshipped him as El Shaddai. They had worshipped him before, beloved, as Elohim. They had worshipped him as the great I Am. But before the cross of Calvary, they had never worshipped him as the lamb. They had never worshipped him as the lamb slain on the cross of Calvary for the sins of this world. You see, Jesus has been raised to a higher joy and a greater honor because of sin. Let me say that again. Jesus has been raised to a higher joy and a greater honor because of sin. And the reason why is because this revelation of love as we received on the cross of Calvary was never seen before the crisis of sin entered. They've never seen the love of God as it was revealed on the cross of Calvary. It's not understood. Satan did not understand it. It perplexed him. He did not understand such love because of the opportunity to reveal that love never came to existence before sin came. Sin created an environment which revealed a deeper picture of the love that God has for rebellious people, beloved. Amen? What is the definition of grace? Give me a definition. What is the definition of grace? Do you know? Is what? Unmerited. Unmerited favor, right? That's the definition of grace. Or undeserved favor. My question to you this morning is this. What could you have known of God's grace if all of you have always done everything right to deserve his favor, beloved? What if you have always done everything right and you never sinned? You would never experience undeserved grace. Is that not true? If all of us had done everything right and everything perfectly, then we would never experience God's grace because grace is only for those who do not deserve his, his favor, his merits. And what happened on, through sin, though it was evil and wicked and the suffering brought upon this world, God has turned and brought into his master plan Satan's schemes. And in the end, he's worked out all these things for good for those who love him. Amen? In other words, we are able to see the more deepness of God's character of love because of sin. 
And because I see and I've experienced his grace, his unmerited favor, I have a deeper picture of God's love than those in unfallen worlds who have never sinned. What is the definition of mercy? To treat an offender, offender better than they deserve. My question is this, could, what could we have known of God's infinite mercy if we have never been an offender? We would have never known what God's infinite mercy was unless we had experienced sin and then we experienced that God sends his mercy to us, his, his blessings, that we, he treats us better than we deserve. That is God's infinite mercy. And because I've experienced sin, I realize that I appreciate and I love a God who gives me that infinite mercy. I appreciate and love a God who gives me that unmerited grace, that unmerited favor to me. And the undeserved grace that God gives to every one of us. What a God we serve, amen? Thus, through grace and mercy, God will make a fuller revelation of his love. And this fuller revelation of God's love would not have been possible if sin had not existed. God had worked everything out for good, including evil and sin for those who love him. God can achieve what we will not believe, beloved. And if we believe that God is love, we will know that no matter what suffering you may go through and I may go through, it will only produce a greater picture of God's love. For the hour of our greatest temptation and darkness will become the hour of our greatest triumph. For from the very valley of the shadow of death, we may rise to a new life and a new joy. For all things work together for good to those who love God. And if we love God, then that is proof that we know, that we know that our God is love this morning. I want to see his love this morning. How about you? I want to see his picture of his love more fully than ever seen before. I want to experience his love. Why? So that I can have the victory over sin in my life that God will have me experience. I want that in my life. I want to love not only the people who live next to me, my neighbors and my coworkers and my friends and my family, my husband, my wife, or whatever it is that you have, your children or your parents, I want to only love them. You don't only want to love them also, but God wants you also to have that love in your heart that you will even love and pray for your enemies, enemies beloved. Amen? Do you have that love? God wants you to experience it. And the only way you're going to experience that if you see how much he loves you this morning. He loves you so much. This morning, if you want to see and experience the latter rain of God's love and the the fresh, refreshing rain of God's love to pour down upon you, then would you raise your hand with me this morning? Amen. Our closing song this morning is hymn number 195, entitled Showers of Blessing, hymn number 195.